0: Hello, this is Rabbi Mark Soloway, welcome to A Dash of Drush, weekly reflections on our world through the lens of Torah. As a culture, we seem to have lost the ability to know when enough is enough, lost the ability to know when we're really satisfied, content full. Full already implies that we have to be full and not just satisfied. I know for myself with food I have this terribly. I'm never quite satisfied. Never quite got the feeling that I've, I've had enough and yet most of the time I've had too much. I've eaten too much and yet there's still some kind of feeling inside like I need more like I'm still craving still yearning still wanting to acquire more eat more consume more it's kind of a epidemic you know that that sense that we're so constantly constantly wanting more and more and more that we forget just to say ah oh, i've had enough i've had enough i know it plays out some in some jewish families mine Mine was one growing up, you know, that we'd be on uh, on vacation, having having a lovely meal, and the conversation would be where we're having the next meal. You're having a lovely lunch somewhere, and it's like, what should we do for dinner? This this idea that we somehow have to know where and when and what the next meal is, and this comes from a definitely a feeling of abundance, but it also comes really on a deeper level, from a, from a sense of insecurity and uncertainty, that, what if we don't have enough? What if, we, what, if we, what if we're not going to be able to? You know, there's this sort of anxiety that we can have sometimes. And it's not just about food, it's about what we own, and what we want to own, and what we don't own, and what we wish we had and we try to fill ourselves up, filling holes that might ultimately be um, something that's not about anything, physically, that's really about the deepest yearnings that we have, really, to feel a sense of connection and a sense of satisfaction that's not about a physical need, but a, a spiritual, a spiritual a sense of being held and so connected that, how can we need anything else? Which comes from a a place of trust and, and faith sometimes, which are hard, really hard for most of us, to really have that, that sense of bitachon, uh, of trust that everything's going to be, everything's going to be okay, everything's going to be okay, I'm going to have enough, you know, I mean, it's ironic that uh, much of the world, you know, there are out of a, a population of some seven billion people, one billion people are, are food insecure, meaning they don't they don't know where their next meal is coming from, and yet most of us, most of us are not in that position. I expect most of you who are listening to this right now, and certainly myself, are definitely not in that position. We have. So much more than we need to sustain ourselves, and yet we still have that anxiety: <gasps> is there enough? You know, the kind of classic syndrome of like, there's people in my house. Am I going to be able to feed them? This is this is a theme that I think is really present in the section of the of the Torah that we're reading this week. Double. It's a double parsha Baha, and and in Baha, which means in the mountain, it, the, the start of it is this unbelievable, beautiful, mysterious passage about the Shemitah year, which says, you know, on the mountain, on the mountain, the instruction was given to observe the Shemitah, which is the seventh year where everything stops, everything lies. Uh, for It's a Shabbat for the land. A Shabbat for the land, like stop, bleeding the earth of all of its resources and let it reset itself you know the idea that for six years says a Torah six years you're going to work and plant and reap and grow and do all of the things that you're going to do to to get your beautiful produce from the land on the seventh year it's you're just going to take care of yourself from what the land is naturally producing And the Torah somehow knows of course that that is going to give rise to to anxiety you know the 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 Torah says you know um, you're probably going to say you're probably going to say but what are we going to eat in that seventh year you know what are we going to eat what are we going to eat in the seventh year that that sense of anxiety the sense that this instruction to work hard for 6 years and then let the land let the land rest could be a source of anxiety what if we starve what if the earth doesn't naturally produce enough you know could say that that, that anxiety in based on a, an agricultural society being, being being commanded on the mountain to not farm in that in that seventh year i mean understandable right but for those of us who live in this very affluent western world where we can just go you know in some places 24-7 to a supermarket and buy whatever we want you know fruits and vegetables that aren't even in season and you know certainly not grown we can just get whatever we want Um, and yet we still have anxiety we still have a sense of lacking lacking uh, trust that we're going to be okay and ultimately that feeling like we're we're never quite going to be satisfied you know we're never quite going to be satisfied and there's so much power in this idea this idea of of, of treating the, the land as we want to treat our own lives just like we have you know, six days to do, to do our work and on the seventh day we, we, we rest, we power down, we, we reset, we restart, we refresh and the land too needs that, you know, we have we have a crazy industrialized agricultural system here that we're, we're just like monoculture, just growing on billions of acres of land, just growing you know, constantly growing, growing, growing like uh, soybeans or corn or potatoes or whatever it is and just growing it and, and bleeding the nutrients out of the land that's not that's not what the Torah imagines that's not what the Torah imagines agriculture is supposed to be agriculture is about respecting the, the, the natural rhythm of the earth and allowing building into our relationship with the earth a sense of like you know what the land at a certain point is going to be able to just offer up its bounty if we if we look carefully enough if we observe what the land is doing and if we've done all of the work of preparation that we need to do in those other six years there's just this unbelievable abundance you know at this time of year on the uh, the days in between um, Pesach, freedom, and Shavuot, receiving receiving Torahs, traditional to, to study a chapter each week from the Pirkei Avot, a beautiful set of rabbinic rabbinic Mishnah which uh, I've I've quoted before, but the, the beautiful texts, you know, and in in last weeks there's a these brilliant. Brilliant! Four questions that are asked by a rabbi called Ben Zoma. He he asks, "Azehu Haham who is wise? Azehu Ashir, who is wealthy? Azehu Gibor, who is mighty? And Azehu Mechubad, who is who is And and the answers are are not what you would normally expect as as ways of explaining those those traits. So who is wise? Halomed, halomed mikoladam, the one who learns from everybody. But but the, who is rich is the one that is relevant, you know. Aze hu ashir, aze ashir b'chelko, Who who is really wealthy? Who is rich? The one who is content with what they have. The one who's not always wanting more and always wanting more and always wanting never feeling never feeling satisfied, never feeling full, never feeling content. Not that we have to thwart ambition, not that we have to let go of the amazing goals that we may have set for ourselves and for our families and for our communities and for the world in terms of the the incredible change makers that we can be and the the way that we can bring more love and compassion and justice to our world. Not, not that we let go of that. And not that we really imagine that you know there's not a ton of work to do but if in each moment we can just say i am truly content with what i have right now that's that's wealth that's wealth that's true wealth just feeling that you know sometimes of course um wealth has it has a a terrible trap attached to it you know the, the more we have the more we want the more we taste worth, the more, the more we want to make more and more. You know, we have little glimpses of what wealth can bring, and we just want more and more and more. And so we, which is of, it's it's the, the equivalent of of just, bleeding that earth. You know, draining the soil of its nutrients. We we do that in the in the soil of our lives. It's the fertile soil where we could bring, you know, all of the creativity that can come from just, this the sense of of ease that we can have. If we have that that trust that everything's going to be okay and that we really are going to have another meal and we, it's going to satisfy us, and yet we're not we're not in that place so much of the time. By the way, the other two questions are, um, you know, who is who is mighty, the one who's able to overcome their their yetza, overcome their inclination to just react to everything. I think that uh, the idea that real you know gibor means a warrior and that really being a, a a a spiritual warrior is about just having having restraint on a on a psychological level and then who is honored of course is the one who the one who honors all creatures the one who is able to to honor the environment around them and the the, the fellow fellow uh, human beings on this earth one who honors others is able to be honored. all of these are, are deeply connected to each other these four qualities all deeply deeply connected to each other and i think connected to this idea of of how we how we what kind of imprint do we have in this world what is our relationship to our to our food and our environment and and do we do we live our lives with this sort of arrogant, grasping, acquisitive kind of nature, or do we just have this simple and honorable and uh, humble relationship? You know, it feels like uh, as a culture, you know, whether it's cor- corporate culture or or. Um, in any aspect of culture it can be so attached to um, to greed and greed is by definition something that sort of demands that I have even though I know that someone else doesn't have it like my greed um, my greed is somehow makes me complicit in, in all of the, the starving people in the world because I want more it's complicated. It's really complicated. You know, the the second part of this, that this double part that we're reading, has this very powerful opening verse in it that's connected to everything else we've been saying. It says, in If you, if you walk the walk, if you, if you walk in literally in my in my statutes, in my ordinances, in my law, if you if you walk in this way, if you walk in this way. Says the Torah, then all, all of these great things will happen to you, all these great blessings. But if you don't, then the opposite will happen. very hard.' I'm not going to get deeply into that sort of theological conundrum of, of like, you know, do good and good happens, do bad and bad happens. We know that we know that that is not how the universe works. And so there's something deeper going on, you know. And the the very first word of this parsha is actually "im," which means "if," "if," "if you," "if you do this, then this," you know, like a world of of cause and effect. And there's this very powerful teaching from the uh, the Ishbitzer Rebbe, the 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 Meha Shiloh, which I learned with my teacher Reb Mimi Fagelson in in L.A. in Jerusalem. I learned years ago that he, he says, like, if you do this, if he says is Lashon Safek, which is, it expresses a sense of doubt. The doubt being like, can I really know what God wants from me in this world? Can I really know what the pattern of this universe is? Or do I just live my life as if I know, as if I understand the rhythms and the mysteries of life? And, and believing and having this sense of faith that I am choosing to live a, a good and righteous life and making healthy choices and keeping the mitzvot, and you know, but I can't know for sure because he says, like, who, who, who can know what God's will is? How can we ever really know that? And so, the way my teacher Rabbi Mimi used to talk about it was that the idea of holy doubt the doubt which we sometimes think of as being a very negative and disempowering force in our world actually can be something really positive so on the one hand this sense of bitachon and emunah the sense of of trust and the sense of faith that if i don't if i let the land rest it's going to be okay the earth is going to provide the world is somehow the universe is going to somehow provide for me my needs, I'm not gonna starve if we have that and fully knowing that there are many starving people in the world as I've said. So I'm I'm talking, you know, not 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 more about like the, the the personal spiritual experience if we if we live in that way. And yet at the same time there's this paradox, this great paradox, because we also need to have the kind of doubt that brings us humility. The opposite of doubt is certainty. And certainty is is dangerous or can be dangerous because it can be a form of fundamentalism that says, I know the truth. I know, I know the truth with a capital uppercase T. I know the truth. And if I know the truth and I see that you are not making the same choices that I'm making, then you are not in the truth. And therefore I'm going to judge you, or worse, kill you, which is what obviously we know happens in the name of fundamentalist religion. So there's this extraordinary paradox, I think, in these two Parshas. Like, on the one hand, you know, trust, trust, trust. It's going to be okay. You are going to eat, and you're going to be satisfied. And allowing ourselves, allowing ourselves to to stop and feel that sense of satisfaction even though we have this constant craving i have this constant craving and want more and on the other hand this this lovely sense of like i don't know i'm i'm living my life in this way and i'm making choices and i'm I, i'm really hoping that this is this is bringing more goodness into the world And yet there's a little voice that says, you know, maybe there are other ways to express truth. Maybe this is not the only way. So I think um, we live in such complex times, my friends. We know that. We all know that. And there's there's so much you know alternative facts out there there's so so many confusing uh, images and ideas from whether it's from our leadership politics or religious leadership there's so many ways in which we're constantly constantly distracted and pulled in in, in a million directions and that adds to this sense of anxiety and the Torah is asking us to enter into this sense of divine rhythm that says I I do my work and then I stop and in those moments when I stop I trust I trust that the universe is going to provide for me that which I need not just to survive but to thrive may we all thrive and live lives where we feel satisfied and feel a sense of connection and meaning. Thank you for listening to a dash and drush. We will see you next time.